Praise God. I'd like to just take a seat. Please feel free to move in a lot closer if you like. We're going to be looking at this screen a little bit today. Uh, it's going to be practical. So you're going to be involved in um, what's happening. Uh, we're so used to you sit there and I do all the work. <laughs> but it's, um, this is just part of the real change that's going to be taking place. But uh, a pen, pen and paper, if you've got those there. If, if you just bring them down here, you'll need them. You'll need them today. I'm telling you all the things we're going to do, you'll need them. Um, this, this, this is a little prep, prayer book I've had. Um, we've just bought some extra ones because I still haven't finished it just because you read a page and have to stay on the page for uh, that day. Um, but that's uh, to our dear friend, uh, Pastor Peter Basil, and the prayer team in the Victory Life Church in Broome. Uh, much love from Pastor Peter and Karen Nichols. And that's just, um, uh, it's, it's from uh, the best of E.M. Bounds. He was one of the greatest, who was one of the greatest guys on prayer. He just says things and he just sort of thing. We named our son Reese, Reese uh, it was after Reese Howes. Don't know if you know about him at all. Um, he actually changed World War II through prayer. So uh, he would know the battle was going to be won and when. So you might have heard planes were being flown by dead pilots. Bombs didn't go off that were dropped. Fogs covered ships. And so he knew what was going on and so on. Reached out. And he ran an orphanage at the end. You just go out to his letterbox and pick up the £10,000 cheque and keep running it. <laughs> you want to read about him. So my son, Reese has studied it fully. My son, Reese, I totally lost him. He's a prodigal son. Totally lost him. And just used to get on my knees all the time and pray. Trust God. Trust God. He was on stations ready to jump in front of uh, trains. Came back from Afghanistan, reconnaissance, post-traumatic stress. Uh, for every soldier we lose in Afghanistan, six suicide back in Australia. In America, seven. So, yeah. But there's only one way back. Only one way back. So, that's right. He went into AA and they said, get on your knees, Reese, and cry out to God because no one gets help here without him. <laughs> and Reese thought, oh boy, I know all about that. <laughs> um, he's just dynamic. He's just incredible. So he's just incredible young man. So his wife's just gone off to America, which is really great. He's going to come and spend a week with us, which is great when we get back. So, um, but it's, it's just exciting to see the change that prayer can do. We just don't realise how much power is in it. So I just want to encourage you about that today. How did you go in the solitary time? Now, I'm not going to put up your hand and stand up, and <laughs> but it's... You've got to learn that, oh, God, no, I, I was tired last night. So we have little repertoires that stop us. And they'll keep stopping us. Oh, I just had to watch that old movie when I got home. It, it's just, there's all sorts of things. But you've got to understand, you've got to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your strength, all of your soul. So don't give your love to someone else. He's a jealous God. He has to watch you struggle through life rather than live in victory, which he could give you every day. Because, oh, well, Lord, I'm, I'm playing golf. I'm into porn. 
I'm into money, whatever you're into. And it's, it's the only example of another God given by Jesus. Only one example in his teaching was mammon, money. Money or God. So it's just he made that clear. Which one do you want to serve? But uh, so that's, that's just solitary is getting to. And you might really struggle getting that to that solitary place, finding God. I found it was a bit of a performance this morning because I preached on it and all that. And I'm getting up. I've got to go. I'm headed to that balcony and so on. Loving it there. And God's speaking to me. I'm writing down things and so on. I'm trying to be still, but my spirit was too active. To I'm writing down things instead sometimes. But I let God love me and I loved him. Because I need his power. And uh, that's the type of people who are going to change a nation. He searches for a person. He searches. And at one stage, he couldn't find one person in the world. <laughs> he searches for a heart that's for him. Oh, David, rejected by his father, rejected by his brothers, a uh, bit of a no-hoper there looking after sheep. He's my man. <laughs> because he's a worshipper and he's loving God. So. He takes on Goliath and so on. He says, you know, how dare you speak about you know, the living God? He ran at him. Not. He ran straight at him. Just, just it's because he knew the victory was his. He knew it in his spirit. When you know it's in your spirit, man, I'm fanatical when I've got it in my spirit. I just know it's going to work. It's going to happen because God said it. I just have to believe it. Moses, you're going to deliver three million people. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm 80. Excuse me. I'll teach you how to use that stick. I love it. You know, the Red Sea and it's all there and the army's getting there. <laughs> He's going, what, you know, what do you do? And lift up the stick, Moses. Oh. <laughs> and the Red Sea opens up and he goes, come on. <laughs> I can see him going, we are stuck again. Acts 4, last night you shared on it. Did God kill all the um, pilots and the uh, Herods? And did he kill all the pilots? No. Does he, does he stop them from hating them? No. Did the kingdom advance? Yes. It doesn't stop everyone. It might get to a guy, a sorcerer guy in Paul's face and going like this. And Paul said, be blind for it. <laughs> So it might get to that, but it really bugs you. But really, God's not into barbecuing people like the disciples said. He's not into it. Come on, call down fire. He's in, the battle still rages, but the enemy's getting pushed back. It's still a battle. We had a victory in World War II, and there's other battles going on still. It wasn't the end of it. It's still got to keep. Fighting. But um, yeah, if you want to read uh, Reese House, it's a great book on that. Pen and paper, we've got that coming down. Uh, even if you hand it through the rows, because I know you're going to use it. I just know you're going to use it. You're going to have to use it. We're going to do it. It's very practical this morning and so on. Life-changing practical. I'll explain why it will be life-changing if we look at something in a minute. Um, so, yeah, just getting to God in that morning and so on. The only way you can defeat sin is by... the Sin defeater, God. <laughs> sin just loses its grip in your life when you're in God's presence. I can't sin if I'm in God's presence. I can't think of sin. But as I come into it, there might be some junk to clear out. 
and then I keep the presence going throughout the day. That's the key. Keep the presence going. So I learned to stop. I said to you yesterday, I came into the restaurant and so on. This morning's breakfast, presence of God, what can I do? I went and said hello to people. Well, I'm open to it. Uh, I think the first guy that just walked up to us, honey, that first guy that just walked up to us and started talking. We're very aware of people. We're very aware of lost people. Very aware of people and so on. Because you can just go by your day and pass them. Oh, Matthew, the tax collector, hey, uh, drop, drop everything, follow me. Wild. He's walking along the beach and he picks up four of the most incredible disciples in the world <laughs> by walking along the beach. You got a beach out there, look out. But if you're not in the moment, if you're not in the spirit, if you're not in the open heaven, you'll walk right past them. Get into the spirit in the morning and start to be ready for it. Which one, Lord? I have to turn myself back into the spirit and start breathing. Heaven, or I'm back breathing earth. I'm trying to get myself to breathe heaven more, right? And it's, it's practicing the presence. It's, it's saying in there, or you just do life. Now, Jesus passed a heap of people. Hey, Zacchaeus, love to have a meal at your place. He falls out the tree. <laughs> and there he is amongst all these other tax collectors, the pedophiles of town, if you want to call it, the worst people ever. And there he is amongst them all. And, the, and what does he do? What does he do? Jesus just loves him, goes and has a meal with him. Because that's what his father said to do. He was a short man. I don't think it was Jesus. I think Zacchaeus was, because that's why he climbed a tree. But anyhow, um, he's there in the home. Just get, oh, sorry, I'm off the track a bit, but I'm just stirred. Um, Zacchaeus stands up and gives his wealth away. And starts again. Gives corrupt money away. I'm going to give half my wealth to all the poor. Wow. Jesus didn't tell him to do it. His heart, he's changed, he's affected. And for everyone I've ripped off, and he ripped off a lot of people, don't you worry, those tax collectors, I'm giving four times the amount back. Wealth gone. New beginning. It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus never talks about wealth creation. 25% of all what he talks about is money, but never wealth creation. It's about giving it away. Uh, that hit me the other day. Hits materialism here. We've, we've set up money to really give. God's really looked after us, but the responsibility is I'm going to mount up treasure in heaven because it's all, earth's no good. I could die tomorrow and all my treasure goes off to the next person on my will. <laughs> Yeah, sort of like, um, you know, we're giving into Syria at present. We're giving into India at present, and so on. We just love it. We love going to places where. Oh no, the bank rejects it. I have to find other ways. It's, when I said Syria, they no. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, okay. So we gave it through Lebanon into Syria, but it's just yeah. But I love it. I love it. I love it because that's what Jesus said to do. I have followed Proverbs, wealth creation stuff, brilliant. And we have really prospered from that. But now I read New Testament and it says, give it away. Whoa, it's wild. I can't do that unless I'm in the solitary time with God and I'm loving him and I just want to give. If I'm not with God and I'm in this world, 
it's all mine. It changes your whole perspective. Changes your whole perspective in your life. So just throwing that out there this morning. Um, I'm just going to read this. This is a little scripture that relates to last night because we're talking on the first point tonight, uh, this morning is from last night. But this is Psalm 91, right? Psalm 91 has a catch to it. All the rest of Psalm 91 onwards can't work unless verse 1 works. You've just got to understand this. So that's why I love maturing Christians and so on and bringing them into a prayer life, a life that's reaching out to people is crucial. If not, this, it doesn't operate too well for them. They'll be a burden, they'll be tied, the enemy will be pushing them around. The enemy was pushing me around last night with a, a little headache. And so on. And my spirit, I felt my spirit just addressed it and said, we're not having it, now go. I mean, when you're in the, that time with God, your spirit's operating all the time. This, this Psalm 91, I was just in the midst of a lot of people with COVID and I was the only one who didn't get it because of Psalm 91. Because I live this, so therefore it works in me. But if I wasn't in that time with God... <laughs> Those who live in the shelter of the Most High. There's solitary time. Just hopped under his wings this morning. In Dad's shadows. You know, it's a good thing, a shadow. I'm getting distracted a bit this morning. Psalm 23. I walk through the valley of death. The shadow of death. If there's a shadow, there's light. So you can go through the crappiest place you like in your life. I don't. Sorry, I, I work with Americans a lot, and crap's just a normal word. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. So, so you you go through this really hard valley. There's light in it because there's a shadow. Okay, the shadow of the Most High will find rest. That is a, on Sunday. Tomorrow's word. There's a little advertising for it. In the shadow of the Lord Almighty. If you're in that shadow, if you are with God, if you give him time, if you let him love you, you love him. If you do the Lord's Prayer, which takes you only chose six hours. They're very slow in Korea to sort out things. No. Amazing. All right. This is what happens. This I declare about the Lord. If you do this, this is what you declare. He alone is my refuge. He's that place. My place of safety. See you later, sickness. See you later, disease. He is my God. I trust him. Trials, problems, I'm just going to trust him. Karen and I were from drugs, lost, all that, and we got married. Whoa. I tell you, we had to trust God for this marriage, didn't we? And we've run marriage enrichments as a result of it, and hundreds of marriages have been affected and so on because uh, we had to trust God to work through a lot of things in our life. For he will rescue you from every trap. Every Acts 4 trap. Shut up. Don't talk about Jesus. Keep quiet trap. He'll rescue you from And protect you from deadly disease. COVID. I was watching people sick, laying in bed, and I'm not. Now, I'm boasting in the Lord, please. But I just knew. I just said, I'm not going to have it. Everyone said, oh, we've all got flu here. I'm not having it. I, come, I feel it come right at me. I said, get off, get, get off my body. 
and it gets off. But, but, but if I'm not in the moment with God in an open heaven, oh, I've got the flu too. Stay under heaven. Breathe heavenly air. It'll change your whole life, this. But it takes, it takes a relationship to do it. If he is what he is, you won't want to leave him. He will cover you from, with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armour and protection. The word of God is your armour and protection. Use the sword, swing it. Jesus used it three times, three scriptures, and he dealt with the highest demonic force on the earth. Three scriptures. Boom, 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 and the devil left him. Now, please be very careful going against prince spirits. Go against the devil. Go against the works of darkness. But don't take on princes. There's nowhere in scriptures you do. Just, just be wise in it. Anyhow, that's a whole other teaching, sorry. Okay, let's look at the word. Let's look at the word today. I've just had really good friends, really coppered. You're not connected, I know. It's okay, we don't need to be connected. Okay. Becoming the church of the future today. That's what we're looking at. Becoming the church of the future today. A prophetic church should always be thinking of what God wants in the future. Prophetic people are down here. I live down here, but I'm in today here, and I'm headed to that direction. If not, you get very bored, very tired, go round in circles in the desert for 40 years and get nowhere. All right? And they couldn't get entered because of their, Karen was praying that prayer, because of their unbelief. All right? So it's important that we know that we want to be doing what God wants to do today. Uh, we've probably heard this a thousand times, 1 Chronicles 12, 32. The men of Ishika understood the times. I know what God's doing. Don't talk politics in these times. Don't talk all the uh, darkness in this time. Talk God in this time. If you understand the times, you'll start talking God. All right? And these are dark times. And, I, and know what to do. Very, very important. It says in the scripture. Now, everyone, a paradigm is what you are seeing. Everyone has a paradigm here. This is what the church is like. This is what Australia is like. Um, this is what our government's like. We all have a paradigm where we see things. But God needs to shift everyone in this room to where he's going. Okay? This, why does he have to shift? Okay. Is the old working? Is all the broom saved? Are people getting saved every day? I'm just looking at Acts 2 now, the church. Is everyone in awe? Signs and wonders everywhere? Now, I'm not saying this to be rude. I'm saying this, well, we need to be moving back towards the church of Acts. Right? Because that will take broom. All right? So we've got to go, okay, what we're doing isn't changing broom. All right? So, Lord, what do you want to do? So you've got to start to move back to where God's going because it's not working. Now, please, this morning I'm going to refer to church and buildings and Sunday mornings and so on. I was raised in it. It changed my life. I love the church, Sunday morning church. I also love the church where the worship leader said two or three meet together. There we are in the midst. That's also church. <laughs> right? So, but God's got to shift us to changing broom. 
How do you want to do it, Lord? And that's what I want to show you this morning. And it's going to be so basic, but we're not doing it. So that's where we just want to shift it. And pens and paper, you'll be able to write down certain things this morning and understand what we're trying to say this morning. All right, becoming the church of the future today. Thank you, someone's got that up for me. Do you want to do it, honey? It's, yeah. All right, okay. So that's important for us to be looking at the church of the future today. Uh, I want to give you an example. So we need, um, so we want to see disciples made. We've, now, when we say disciples made, it doesn't mean Pastor Jen's going to do all that. Right? The whole new is everyone in this room is going to do it. Because the Bible doesn't say go and set up a Bible school. It says go into all the world and you do it. But we'll look at that in a minute. Okay. Paradigm shift, everyone, is required to bring us back to what God wants. To move, to turn the world upside down. Do not be satisfied until brooms turned upside down. And if you're in the presence of God, you won't be satisfied. And that's him in you. God, I know you can do it, Lord. All right? You've got to believe that. Okay, um, let's look at a, a paradigm shift, everyone. It's in Acts 10, a paradigm shift. You've got Peter, incredible apostle Peter. They're not going to the Gentiles. The whole call of God they're not doing. Gentiles are out, everyone. Jews are in. Okay, so the Holy Spirit needs to do a paradigm shift. Peter's convinced, I will never go into a Gentile's house. And God says, well, the church is going to die. It's just going to stop with the Jews and not go to the world. This is pretty serious. So there's a shift that needs to take in broom in your life, in your heart, to shift it into what God wants to do. It's a paradigm shift. So I'm going to show you some shifts today, and you're not going to like them probably because we like staying in the old and doing the same thing over and over, which is called insanity. And it's not changing. You know, You've got a caravan park, and if it was, if it was not going ahead and, and it wasn't going anywhere, and everyone's going to the other caravan park, and we'll just do the same thing. You wouldn't. You go and say, "What do we need to do? Prices, advertising, our servers, everything shifts. Oh, we're now the best caravan park. Was that hard? No, it's a shift. But, you know, old Greg might be a stick in the mud. You know, I just like to do it this way. And, oh, well, you know, I still believe my way is right. And we can be a stick in the mud with God. Okay. All right, so there's a paradigm shift. Here it comes, everyone. Uh, in verse 3, Cornelius has a vision. Uh-oh. So God gets hold of this guy's unsaved but loves God and gives. And he gives him a vision and he says, go to Peter, uh, who they call, sorry, Simon, who they call the rock, and I want you to, him to come here. Paradigm shift, Peter. Oh, who is he? Oh, he's in Joppa. Okay, that's his instructions. You got that, everyone? Yeah. Oh, that's a bit weird, a bit unusual. Holy Ghost is getting involved. He does the paradigm shifting. The Holy Spirit shifts us into where God wants to go. He wants to teach us all truth. He wants to let us know of everything that's about to happen. Yeah. I've had my, um, when I was in a denomination, they rang me up and said, Peter, we've got a church here and it's a wage and buildings and we've got everything here and we believe you're the man. I said, oh, that's very nice. Thank you very much. But um, uh, no, thank you. 
And they said, excuse me, our executive has met and we've selected you out of all of Australia. I said, I can't. They said, why not? I said, the Holy Spirit hasn't told me. I said, if the Holy Spirit told me, I'll go, yep, I'm expecting your call. I can remember being up there and going, uh, God saying, I want you to go on the executive. Oh, God, I don't want to go on the executive, Lord God. I come down, go home. Uh, the phone rings as I walk in the door. We had phones then and so on. And, uh, and I pick up the phone. They said, we want you to be on the executive. I said, sure, no worries. Because God said. And I was on that executive and I had grace for it. Just, that's a paradigm shift. I want you to get on to that. There's a whole story to that, I won't tell you. But um, then the next thing happens. Verse 9, Pedak is praying and goes into a trance. Uh-oh, heaven, open up, trance. And he's told, whatever is you call unclean is no longer unclean, eat. Got it? There's a paradigm shift. And Peter said, no, I won't. And he said, yes, you will. No, I won't. Yes, you will. And eventually he said, yes, I will. Okay, paradigm shift, everyone taking place. Cornelius is going to get this guy. Peter gets it. And then the Holy Spirit says to him in this discussion, he says, there's men coming at the door, go with them. That's Cornelius's men. Because he wouldn't have gone with them if the Holy Ghost hadn't told him. He would have stayed in the old. Gentiles don't even let them inside my house. Remember that Jesus said going to all the world, not the Jewish world? So... God's just correcting the Holy Ghost is correcting it. And so uh, the Holy Spirit told him to do this. So he's doing this. And then he arrives at Cornelius' house and they meet together and he's in a Gentile's house. And he shouldn't be there because the old says you shouldn't be there. The new says, move on. And he starts to speak about Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit fills the whole room. Acts 2, over Gentiles, not Jews. And the whole world is never the same. Paradigm shift. If you shift to where God wants you to go, broom will never be the same. And it doesn't, you don't have the power. You have the faith and the obedience and the Holy Ghost brings the power. And it's going to be unusual. It won't be as you think. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. And it always will grate with you. What? Okay, because you said it. So it's a ghost, it's a ghost. And no, it's me, it's Jesus. Ah, oh. and Peter says, bid me to come. And he said, come, according to the word, come. Oof, walking on water. He paradigm shifted walking. And they'd never seen it before, never been done in the world before a man walking on water. New technology. And Peter goes, I'll have a bit of that. And jumps out and then saw the waves and the fears and he sinks. Jesus pulls him up and gets back to the boat. Paradigm shift, though, he walked on water. He could have said that, he said, you have little faith, Peter. How much faith did the guys in the boat have? None. They're probably still going, is it Jesus or a ghost? So we get caught up in things. To understand the need to shift, but will you shift? If you're not spending time with God, it'll be almost impossible to shift you. Peter was spending time with God. Cornelius was spending time with God and didn't even know Jesus yet. Both were godly people, both praying, and the Holy Ghost says, I can work with that. Does that make sense? Not spending time with God? God says, I'll never be able to paradigm shift you, ever. I just, this just came to me this morning as we were just worshipping. 
and God's, you know, all the people at your door last night, your whole city came and knocked on your door last night. That's wild. How will you handle that? God's got to prepare you to handle the city getting changed. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. And it's not going to happen with some great preacher somewhere. It's going to happen with people you don't even know. They're in the trenches that have time with God and God told them to do this and it happened. Now you just imagine, you just imagine if you healed three people in the streets of Broome that were in wheelchairs. How many people would be knocking on your door? And just say it happens. Because you were in the presence of the Lord and the Lord says, as you go down the street, I'm showing you this wheelchair, this wheelchair, and that wheelchair. Just touch them and say, God loves you. Now hop out of that wheelchair. And you go, yes, Lord. Now, this is a wild one, all right? Think of the most violent, drug-pushing person in Broome who kills people, right? Okay. We'll call him Saul. And he says to Ananias, he said, I want you to go and knock on his door. <laughs> Come on. He's in straight street. Oh, Lord, the guy's a nut. But where is Ananias? In the presence of God, letting God, and God says, this is your next assignment. And he says, he kills people. He throws them in jail. He said, just go and knock on his door, because I'm with him, and lay your hands on him. Are you ready for this? Are you in a paradigm shift ready to do this? If you're not in the presence of God, God can't speak to you. He's not going to speak to you when you're mowing the lawns and you don't spend any time with him, but you spend a lot of time in grooming your lawn. Now, I know he can. He speaks to me when I'm mowing lawns. Sorry, he does. But he's not going to use you powerfully and not spending time with him. It's too dangerous if the city ends up at your door and you don't spend time with God, you'll take it to yourself. You'll make money out of it. You'll be in the papers. You'll become the mayor of Broome or whatever. We're in trouble. And God said, I didn't want that. I wanted Broome to be saved, not you to become mayor. But if you know God, you'll do what he wants. Do what he wants. Is this making sense? It changed the world, this paradigm shift. Peter, the world was never the same again. Because you shifted it. So this is how God works. Honey, I think we could... Okay, Luke. Okay. Yep, sure, sure can, sure can. Okay, we'll move that back. Can you see that screen? Okay. All right. Okay, so I'm giving you the ingredients, but are you going to shift? Are you going to come into a time of solitude with God each day? Are you going to find him and walk in his presence? Are you going to open up your heart to him? Are you going to get rid of... Because if you are in God's presence, you're going to get rid of every bit of junk in your life. It just goes. Read that little prayer book. He says it all the time. It, just, it deals with sin, prayer. You can't... You know, anyway. Okay, I don't want to get off the track. Okay. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. I can't tell you how to take broom if you're still in the old. You'll dismiss it. So, so it's, that's the problem. Otherwise, the new wine will burst and the skins break and it'll run out and the wine skins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wine skins. New wine is new revelation. It's got to be poured into new wine skins. 
And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. So what happens is they're already, I want the old. So this is where there's always that wrestle. You're on a train station right now, everyone, and the train of revival is coming up and transformation of broom. And you think, uh, I don't know if I want to get on it. It's going to change my life. I'm going to have to serve God every day. I'm going to have to carry my cross every day. I'm going to have to fall in love with him more than ever before. Because I'm still in this walk with God, I'm in love with him more than ever before. It's a love journey. You do everything out of love for God. God doesn't want anyone to do anything for him unless you love him. He wants a love. It's a love gift. Okay? So, it's, so you're at the station, you're waiting. Are you going to hop on the train or not? Or oh, the next one. Maybe it won't come. How many virgins fell asleep? Ten virgins? How many? Ten. They all fell asleep. Read it. It's amazing. I know. I used to say five. They all fell asleep. Five got up with the Holy Ghost and five didn't have the Holy Ghost anymore. And they said, give us the Holy Ghost. Give us the oil. Give us. And they said, no, 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 no. You know, we've worked hard to get this. We've got this relationship. We're awakened. There's a move of God happening. We're hopping on the train. And they said, well, we can't hop on the train because we haven't got the oil going, so we'll go and buy some. Too late. I missed it. How many parables are like that? How many parables are saying, you went and did your own thing? I just want to try out the five oxens. I just want to check this field I just bought. They don't get into the wedding feast. I just got married. And... And then Jesus says, go and invite everyone, the lame, the homeless, the broken, the messed up, everyone, bring them in, who wants to come in. Danger, rich people, distracted people. It wasn't that, um, you know, I'm going to work the land today, I'm just going to go and look at it, not come to the wedding feast. All right, so this is what we face. We face the church, the mega, um, we face the old church, Mega churches, business, stars, running it in a certain way. More stars, more change to our nation. We thought that would be it. More mega churches would change. No, it wasn't. Please, I'm not bagging mega churches. You know, more churches Sunday morning. No? Okay, so it's, something's got to shift. So God come back to a simple church. Got to come back to Acts, how God wants to run it. All right? The West has really drifted from this. So we've got to come back to what God wants to do. Uh, I'll just show you. All right. If you've got your pen and paper, you can see this. Woo! No, it doesn't fall over. Okay. Three things God asked us to do. Can you put that verse up, sweetie? My assistant? <laughs> okay. First thing God wants us to do. This is crucial, the first one. This is that everything in the whole word summed up to this. Jesus made it very clear. This is simple. Let's get back to simple Christianity. Okay, what does he say? Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the Lord? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God. Boy, make him number one in everything. Your soul, your heart, your time, your energy. Make him number one. Love God. He's got to be number one. You're here today because he's number one. Yeah? 
You could have had sunset in the morning. You, know? you got a little voice, no, just take it easy. You work hard, Greg, just stay at home. But you're here. Oh, there's a prophet in town. So we want to be hearing what the prophet's going to say to us. That's what it should be like. Not to build me up, it's just a gift that comes into town. Your pastor arranges that. And so I'm here to hear it because that's number one. This is very important, Lord. I love you, God. You want me here. Or you could have said, God, you want me to go to fishing? Or you want me to be learning about how to change broom? And God would have said, <coughs> you're joking, aren't you? Do you want me to answer that? Go and change broom. You can always catch fish. Peter, he did it. Went back to fishing. And he's supposed to be fishing for? Old paradigm. And what, what did he catch? Nothing. And Jesus said, how's it going out there? It's terrible. It's, that's what it's like when you go back and do the old. It doesn't work. He said, that's right. But just throw your nets down, Pete. Every fish is trying to get in there, sort of thing. And he dives off. I think he was naked, put some his uh, speedos, dives off and swims into Jesus and falls at his feet and said, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus, I love hearing that. I can't do it. I need you. He said, that's right. Now, there's fish for men. He caught a lot of men. <laughs> Loving God first. And then what did he ask him on the beach? What did he ask him on the beach, Peter? Do you love me? Ooh. You know I do, Lord. Feed my sheep. Do you really love me? <laughs> you know, he denied him three times, you know that. And he's just getting the love factor going back in his life. If you want to read about love, read about the disciple that really loved him, John. <laughs> I love it. Okay, okay, all right, okay. And then the other ones just like it. So this is your solitary time. This is your time with God and so on. And I'm going to unfold this today. It's very simple, this. The second one is just like it, love your neighbour. Okay, there's our neighbour. Okay, lost people. Go and love people. Go and love lost people, messed up, stuffed up people. I was one of them. I've seen so many stuffed up people transformed by God. Okay, so, and the third thing, okay, so uh, moving from lukewarm Christianity to hot love for God, pursuing him. We did it last night. I'm not going to go over it. Get the tape from last night or the video or the, um, yep, from last night, the podcast. Um, he wants us, and we looked at it all, he wants us to move into a whole new realm. Okay, this is uh, the neighbour, the lost and the great commission. They're the great commands. And then there's the great commission. And that's disciples. Everyone in this room should be doing that. Not a discipling school. Everyone in the room should be doing it in their lifestyle. That's the transition, everyone. I'm telling you, the old, back here, Bible school, the old discipling school, the new that the whole body of Christ, everyone in this room, disciples. That will change. Okay, okay, well, come on. How's that going to work? Okay, um, I disciple um, Jess. Okay, and then the next year, Jess disciples one. So there's myself and Jess one, 
and then Jess disciples one and I disciple one, two, and then the next year our disciples four and so on. How long does it take to save the whole world if we do it year by year and it multiplies? 35 years. So if the world doubles, 36 years, sorry. How long is it taking broom? Not long. That's the most powerful principle it is, the discipling, multiplying principle, which I'm going to touch on today. And I'm jumping all over the place, but I'm enjoying it because it's the Holy Spirit just speaking through me. So enjoy. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. What's stopping this? Please, I'm not out to attack the old church. The old church runs on. We're standing in one. And please, it's nothing wrong with buildings. They're training ground, they're used and so on. But the building can take over. The programs can take over. At present, this is all dying. The dollars, money, finance committee and staff. That's the old. So you have to go and disciple the city and win the city because you're the paid clergy. It's over. We all have to. All right, and uh, and it's money, and we need money to run the buildings, to run the programs. Programs are dying everywhere. This is the program. It's called Simple Church. There's a move of God in the world today, and it's not in the West; it's in the East. And it's the next ten years will go to a billion people. I'm telling you, it's an unstoppable move. The West were just asleep. I'm just trying to bring you a lot. As a prophet, I'm here to disturb you, to make you feel uncomfortable, and to shift you into the promised land. All right? And a lot of people didn't. There's a generation that says, no, we'll just go around circle things. All right? There's three out of that generation got in. No, not even Moses. Because God said, speak to the rock. And Moses says, these people drive me nuts and hit the rock. And God took him aside and said, Moses, you won't be going into the promised land. When I tell you, to, so you get to this level, everyone, with God, when God says to do something, you don't do it your way. You do it his way. It's, you want to really know. So God doesn't want to put a lot of us in that position because we just won't get in the promised land. But isn't it wonderful we've got this God of grace, Jesus Christ, every day the blood of Jesus cleanses us and he's forgiving, he's loving and he'll give us a, another turn. In Moses' days, that was it, mate. But anyhow, all right. Does that make sense? Please, I'm not pulling down church. I'm just saying where church should be going. All right? Yeah, we need to clean that up if we can. Um, I just want to look at... <laughs> spray and wipe. Yep. It's, um, this says permanent marker. No, Thank you very much. Thank you. This is important. It's, it's interesting because I'm about to prophesy over Jess and Greg and the next thing I'm going to write up is about their prophecy. Isn't it interesting that that person who gets prophesied over does the blackboard <laughs> job? That's the reward. Okay, here we go. Thank you very much, Jess. 
Thank you. So there's, um, there's three realms in this I just want to share on. Go back to my notes. There's three realms of prayer just before I just, we didn't do this last night, but I just want you to know. There's that, there's three realms. I'm not going to look at the scriptures, you can look at that. Ephesians 2.2, 2, Ephesians 2.6, Ephesians 3.10 and 15, you can throw in there and so on. Okay, this is earth everyone, this is the air. And this is heaven. And Paul said, I know someone that knows seven levels up here, but we're not looking at that today. Okay, so we're here on earth. That's us down here on earth. Okay, but we're also here in heaven. Yeah. Now, that's confusing. We're seated in heavenly places with Jesus. Seated, why? Rest. Friends? It's rest. rest, yep. It's done. You sit down when it's done. The king sits down, it's done. Seated in heavenly places. You are seated in the heavenly realms up here. And when I sit down, I'm breathing heaven and so on, or I'm having moments with God on earth, I'm back into heaven. I start off my prayer with, Our Father who art in, hello, heaven. I'm talking to him. Down here talking to him. John, you know, John uh, Rev 4, he opens it up and so on and he says, I'm there and then I'm in heaven. Okay, straight through there. Straight through the demonic realm. Ephesians 2.2, 2, he's the prince of the air. He runs the air. I don't know if you know this, but uh, astronauts got really affected and some became Christians after going, flying out of the power of the air. They met Jesus Christ out there. There's no demonic influence. There's guys that preached around the earth after astronauts that got saved. But anyhow, power of the air. The devil runs it. Sorry, sorry. How about you, beautiful? It's a board wobbles. It's, but I'm not good at writing, sorry. Ephesians 2.2, 2, that's the power of the air. Okay, so we pray through this. There's a demonic realm that's going to intervene. It's going to mess you up going to be a bit of action involved in it it's not it's not just easy sometimes i wake up and i can't pray and i'm heavy and i'm depressed and discouraged and the demonic realm says we don't want you to go into heaven because when you're up here man it happens well when you're down here i run it the devil says but when you step into here you run it so i don't want anyone to have a prayer life here i want everyone to have trials and problems and focus on them and the devil says, I've got you under my feet. No, sorry, you're under my feet. It's a battle. We don't like it. We're human beings. We just want it to be happy. The major thing that every parent says over their child, I just want him to be happy. As he tries another girlfriend and another recreational drug and he's out of work again, but he's happy. Okay, so, so that's what we're facing, right? Correct? We've got to go through that. Oh, this one here, Ephesians 3.10. This is us all in this room. The manifold wisdom, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the powers and principalities through 
you, the church. You're going to let him know where he stands. Acts 4, the trials didn't stop, but the kingdom kept expanding. You, I, I'd scare you what attacks me and happens in my life because I know I'm in a, a demonic realm that says, give up. What's the point? It won't work. And, that's, and that's, I'm with this God up here with my father, he says, we can do anything. You just follow me. You just obey me and look out. I know there's going to be a move of God in Australia and I'm going to be there in it, ready for it. And I'm being prepared for it. I'll show you how to get prepared for it in a minute. Okay, so that's what we're looking at. Um, and 3.15 is your inner being. God's power, his spirit, his strength in your inner being. It all happens in here, on earth, and so on. So I could be, I could go out and meet someone today and have a moment up here with God and meet them, talk to them, pray for them. That cancer could be delivered, come out of a wheelchair. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. I've seen people get transformed, become pastors, all sorts of things. Drug addicts transformed. But if I'm just on earth doing earth stuff, nothing happens. Earth's earth. I caught a few fish today. Uh, Peter says we transformed a city today. Okay, little example of it. Jesus is on earth and he talks to the lady at the well. He said, how are you going? Can I have a drink? She says, why should I give you a drink? Nice, nice lady. <laughs> and he said, well, well, I can give you living water. What's that? What's that, everyone? Living water, where does that come from? He went straight to heaven. He didn't stay on earth with her. He said, I can give you living water. Oh, give me this living water. Hey, she's a real piece of work, this lady. He said, you didn't have anything to go down the well and get it. I said, I can tell you, I can give you living water. You'll never thirst again. He got a curiosity. He said, next word of knowledge, heaven. Ready for it, everyone? Go call your husband. I don't have one. Next, heaven. No, actually, you've had five. And the guy you're living with is not your husband. And the seventh man in your life is me. I'm, I'm adding to this now. The seventh man in your life is me, and that's perfection. And she gets transformed. Not from the earthly conversation, the heavenly. And history tells us the whole, my daughter-in-law, Jess Nichols, she said, um, she used to be the PA for John Brevere. And she said, uh, John Brevere's wife and her, forget her name, Lisa Brevere, they studied it all. And they said the whole city was transformed from her. Can I just show you a bit more on this? This is not in the notes, sorry. Um, uh, what did the disciples do in this time? I'm just giving you a demonstration. They went and got food for Jesus, right? Food, earth. What did she do for the city? Food, different food. The whole city came out to listen and Jesus spoke for two days. And the city's transformed through her. A rejected, hated person in the city. Yeah. He said, I've just started revival in the city. They, I don't know what he's talking about. Did anyone give him food? I, I didn't see him eat. 
He said, I've just had the food of my life. The spiritual food. It's in the Lord's Prayer. You know, um, uh, give us this day our daily bread. God, I need revelation today. Lord, I, I'm just asking for revelation today. Show me something in the Word. And when you do, I'll do it. Not I'll listen to it. Okay, you got that? It happens all the time. Right? Everyone understanding that? Yeah. Mm. Could you two just stand up and just to pray for you both? I haven't got a clip, but it's on the... Yep. Okay, Pastor Pete is selling all prophecies for $95 when he said... That's right, it's for the whole churches. We're going to be building programs and... Praise God. Father God, thank you. Just hold hands, you two. Yeah, Father God, thank you, Lord God. Father God, we thank you, Lord God. Um, uh, what would it take to win this city? That's on your heart. That's on your heart. That is strongly on your heart. What would it take to win this city? God has been looking for someone who would say that, who actually bring that before him. And it's not about you being the hero. It's about him being the hero and you releasing him to be the hero. And the Lord says, you're a woman of a woman called Deborah. You're one that's looking for a fight and a battle. And you're quite happy for others to do it. But you have said, I'll do it, Lord. I will fight, Lord God. There's a strong spirit in you. Every trial, every difficulty, I've brought you to this place and win, win, win and fight and strength. I'm training your hands for war and your fingers for battle, says the Lord. Ephesians 6, we're moving on from Ephesians 3 on the board here. Ephesians 6, to make that stand. Make that stand. Don't take the armour off. Don't take the armour off, Jess. Keep the armour on. And so it's armor, don't take it off and keep it on and uh, pray in the spirit on all occasions, not some occasions, all occasions. And to, even if you feel a bit embarrassed, even if religious people laugh at it, pray in the spirit on all occasions and the word of the spirit, also the sharper than any two edged sword, your sword. Your, the word's going to come alive in you. You're going to read the gospels in you. Everything's going to become anew to you, Father God. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. We thank you for the fighting spirit that's in her, Lord God. We thank you for this, Lord God, and being prepared for this. We thank you for Greg, a husband that stands alongside of her. The two are one in ministry. You own it together. You are joined together to minister together. What Jess doesn't have, Greg, you've got. And she'll have to go to that. And you pour it into her. She needs encouragement. She needs affirmation. Love, we all do. But that's what you carry so strongly to impart to her. Cheer her on. You've got a spirit of encouragement. It's going to grow stronger and stronger in you. You understand athletes. You understand how to train and get prepared and ready. And you've seen the Lord get your wife ready and prepared and strong. Father God, but he's also been preparing you. You're such a, a, there's such a beautiful humility spirit in your life. Uh, it, it, in, but that's what I want, says the Lord. I'm looking for the humble. It's not prayer first. It's if my people humble themselves. And then pray. I don't want arrogant people praying because the prayers are wrong. And you've got to understand, Greg, you've got the humility is a real strength in your life. Uh, strength and you're pouring into each other's lives at times. And how if one falls into the pit, the other one can pull them out. I'm telling you, you won't both fall into the pit ever. The Lord will always have one of you pulling the other one out through prayer, through the Spirit, through the Word, through encouragement. 
Oh, Father God, we thank you for this, what you're doing and building. And it's, it's, uh, I don't want you to lose, says the Lord, taking broom. What would it take to take broom? What would it take, Lord God? And uh, the Lord is going to trust you with that. Trust you with that deep in your heart. And that you, you're not here just to do church. You're here to see a city turned upside down. Now, I don't know you at all, Jess. But I, that's what the Lord spoke to me this morning. Had to do that diagram and declare that. Jess, you're going to, and Greg, you're going to live more and more in the heavenly realms. More and more and more in the heavenly realms. And your children, the ones that come with you into the heavenly realms, will be strong and powerful in this city. The demonstration of that. And releasing people who walk in the heavenly realms with God. Father God, we thank you for this right now. In the precious name of Jesus, just releasing that word over their life, Lord God. And the enemy's already defeated. He's already, he's, he's been smashed to the ground. He was, he's been taken out. Uh, but, um, you know, that's where it's just you believing God and pushing through. Every demonic thing will be broken. Every, been pushed back. Light uh, removes darkness. You just turn on the switch and darkness has to leave the room. Turn on God and darkness has to leave the room. Father God, we thank you for this right now. Father God, we thank you, Lord God. Now, it's rest in God. There's no human effort in this. This is faith. This is standing together, believing together. Father God, I pray that the enemy would not divide in any way here. Father God, they would lock shields together and stay together in this battle, Lord God, we pray, over this city. Now, God told me you've got the ingredients to believe for the city to be taken. And your, your assignment is that the gospel would be preached to everyone in Broome before the end comes. The gospel will be preached to everyone in Broome, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Praise God. All right. I hope you're writing these things down and gathering them down. I'm trying to get them with some paper thing for you to write them down. And that it's very, if you write it down, the chances of you doing it go up 100%. It's a simple fact. So I'll show you on the highest level of retention in a minute how God's designed us. Number two, honey, number two. Shifting from attending church within the four walls and the programs to loving your neighbor. Going to the lost. Now, I really mean this, going to the lost. You're going to have to... Karen and I get coached every week by an American guy, uh, and he's the same as us, and we meet every week, and I coach people every week to go to the lost. Why? Because we're not good at it. <laughs> so why did I train footballers with weight training? And I'll tell you, St Kilda came out of the doldrums and they came right back into the eight and uh, after 20 years because we trained them so well. And so on every team we played, they lost the next week because we were so strong and could hit them and we reduced all the injuries and so on and they, they went to a whole new level. But they were coached. They were trained. And that's where we need to go. So when did you go to the loss this week? No, it's not a condemning cut. We're all there together. And you know what the first few months are? Decluttering our life from stopping us from getting to the lost. And we go into a, a coffee to have a coffee for us. We haven't done that for ages now. Who is it, Lord? Who can we sit near? 
We've prayed for people in coffee shops, prayed for bad backs, prayed for all sorts of things, instead of just having a coffee for me. Love your neighbour as you love yourself. And I'm telling you, you have a moment wherever you go. You never know when, who you're going to meet and so on, or relate or connect to. Going to the lost. Because God doesn't want one person to perish. So why do you go to the lost? Because you don't want your city to go to hell. You want them to be saved. So I hope that's a burden in your life. The first commandment, loving God, and Jesus said the other one is just like it. Just like it. It's the same level. Same level. We've all got to rub this off again. Um, if someone could rub that off. Same, this is it. If you love God, you will love the lost. It, it, to the desire there is there. If you're not going to lost, something's wrong with your prayer life. Now, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to stir you up. Let's get into the game. Come on, let's take broom. And, and if you walk into places and not even thinking of lost people going to hell and it's just all about you and your food and your whatever, I'm amazed how many backpackers in town. And there's a, I said you're from Italy today talking to her, talking, and they're busy going, and then a girl from France and so on. I'm there. And the girl from Germany who served us and are talking to her and she's chatting and sharing and all that. I'm looking for an opportunity. I'll show you how the opportunity works. Thank you very much for what you're doing on the board for me. Thank you. Okay. Um, and what does it say on that? Who is my neighbour? So Jesus told uh, this young man, he said, you know, this is, this is the whole law is summed up in these two. Love God and go to your neighbour. Go to the lost. That's the whole law is summed up. That should be your whole life. And if you do, and if this whole church wants to win the lost, and you know those figures, if you start saving people and you disciple them, please get rid of the old that good old Pastor Pete, here's another disciple. And he goes, I don't even know them, haven't met them, haven't walked with them. I'll show you all that in a minute. It's, you can't put your paid clergy under that. They will encourage you. They'll encourage you to get into the battle and train you the best you can. And that's why I'm here with Karen to train you and inspire you and help you. So then the young guy says, yeah, okay, yep, I've loved God and yep, I love my neighbour. And so, so the young man said, so who is my neighbour? And Jesus does this a lot. He tells over 200 stories. He doesn't preach for as long as I am. Jesus wouldn't be preaching for as long as I am. He tells over 200 stories and he tells him a story. He asks, do you know how many questions he asks people, Jesus? 167 questions. These questions go into a person's heart and it draws them out. I can tell you, you need to go to the lost. But I can say, sorry, your name is? Rachel. Rachel, um, what do you feel you're going to the lost? It's a whole new thing, isn't it? And Rachel says, oh, oh Pastor Peter, I think I am, yeah. So when did you last go to the lost? And I'm not being terrible, I'm just trying to ask questions. Jesus would ask questions and people go, oh, hmm. If you've done life coaching, I've done a lot of life coaching, it's all question-based. What's going on inside you, the questions are. Jesus asks questions all the time. So he said, so uh, who is my neighbour? And she said, oh, I've got a little story for you. I, I do this with people. I meet people and I tell them stories, Bible stories. My grandson pleads for another Bible story. It's great. But so... 
um, Jesus said it's about the Good Samaritan. So who's, who's your lost in this town? Someone who's bleeding, dying at the side of the road, in a total mess, needing help, and the only person that can help him is God. That's your neighbour. And, and the religious people said, oh, gee, he's a mess. And another religious person said, oh, that's a mess. And the Good Samaritan said, I'm going to help this guy. Bit of money, looked after him, cared for him, loved him. I can remember in my city and so on, I can remember it's, um, an indigenous person was there at the train station and was drunk and so on, and we're out witnessing. And the, Lord, uh, the girl I was with said, we need to help that man. I said, but we're out here witnessing. <laughs> I know, it's thick. Yeah. And then uh, I said, okay. And um, there's a bit of vomit there, Clean up, picked him up and, we took him to his uh, house, he directed us, and I'll never forget him looking into my eyes and going, why? I said, because God loves you, and we love you. I said, can I pray for you? And he said, oh, please. I'll never forget it. After we prayed, he said, wow, that was fantastic. We put him in bed. We remembered the address and everything will be back. We didn't find him again, but I just knew that was the service that God wanted us to do. What are you doing with lost people? Who did you love last week? I mean, let's not get into the gospel yet. Let's just love them first. And then they'll want to hear that gospel. So we just bought um, Indian girls uh, and guys. Uh, they walked two, three hours to school, two, three hours back. So we bought 20 um, bikes, gave it to the apostle there in India, and he gave it to this village and they said, why? He's in. I said, well, Jesus loves you and we wanted to buy it and help you. I want to know about this God. And I said, we'd love to tell you about him. Salvation, church has planted, changed life. These people I was sharing before with Jenkins, they eat rats because they're so hungry. Got to do something to you. Got to go, well, I'm just, it does something to me. Wealth in here needs to go somewhere. But anyhow, okay. Okay, so um, let's look at this. Oh, awesome. Awesome, it's been cleaned. Okay, all right. I'm going to, sorry, super practical. Just want to be super practical. Here we go. This is all of us. All right. We're out there to meet the lost. So we're going to have small talk. I'll try and do that carefully. Small talk. What's your name, brother? What's Sean. 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 Hi, Sean. How are you, mate? Good. Small talk. And so on. I just find people walk past me like this. But when you say hello to them, they lighten up. They just... But also, don't forget God's on me. I want to love people. And they get it. They feel it. Oh, sure, it's great. So, do you live in Broome? So, we, small talk. How come you're here? And so on. So, today, there's people doing drama with Indigenous people up here in Broome. I met them and talked to them. And my friend, who's an Indigenous person, is doing, uh, taking uh, uh, nutritional food. He's wanting to help the Indigenous people to have nutritional food. And so, so, I was talking to them about that and having a chat to them. And we're talking and so on. It just stays small talk. But I'm looking for the next step. 
Right, next step is meaningful. Thank you, darling. Meaningful. So I said hello to Rory this morning. Hello, how are you going? I noticed there's a bit of a bandage there. And I said, what's going on there? And he said, you know, cut out a little bit out of my skin, finding out if it's cancer or not. That's meaningful. And I went straight to spiritual. Yeah. I said, I want to pray for you, can I? I don't even think I asked. Sorry, Roy. I just said, boom, I just prayed. I, I, I really hate cancer. I like to speak to it to be uprooted and cast into the sea. So it's, and I've seen so many people healed of cancer. I've heard so many professors looking at, there's cancer here, I can't find it anymore, and all this. You're wasting my time, he says to our people. I love it. My brother had um, prostate cancer and he was really worried. And I read out to him, uh, Mark 11, and I said, um, I'm going to speak to that Rob today and it's going to be uprooted from your body and cast it. What do you feel about the scripture, Rob? He says, please, pray. I prayed. He said, they think it could be throughout my whole body. So I prayed, went to the doctor, had his test, and the doctor said, one in a thousand has disappeared doesn't exist in your body but he didn't really go on for God both my brothers I'm still praying for them I don't want them to go to hell Lord so I look for opportunities to go and talk and get to meaningful talk ask a question so um, Rob you're 82 how are you going and you're thinking of where you're going to be going meaningful that's a that's knocking it he said, I'm not afraid of death, Peter. Okay. Next question. Why is that? Ask questions. Ask questions. Don't go, oh, you should become a Christian because you'll go to heaven. Uh, next, please. <laughs> so, no, just skill. Jesus had skill. He never used once, well, I'm God's son and I can do anything. He never said that. Meaningful into spiritual. If we're out for the lost here, you're looking for meaningful talk. And so if someone says to me, oh, it's been a real struggle. One of my major questions was, how are you going, especially Melbourne from COVID? Oh, Peter, I'm anxious and I'm this and that. Okay, how do you handle that anxiousness? Oh, well, I, I don't. I'm not sleeping well or whatever. Okay. And then you're on. Yeah. Spiritual. Um, look, would you mind if I pray for you? And then God's teaching me, before you pray, tell them a story. Jesus always did. I don't have to say, this is from Matthew. I just tell them a story. You know, there's 10 lepers and um, they all got, they saw Jesus and he healed them all. But one came back and thanked him, but they all got healed because they knew Jesus could do it. What do you think about that story? latest guy, a Fijian guy, I prayed for in the parking lot of the golf club I'm in, and he said, he said, um, I've got to believe. So it's, you tell him the story, and so I said, can I pray for you? He said, yes, please. It's just opening up people's lives. So spiritual, prayer, word, love them, serve them, and then you take it into this highest level. This is a move of God. If this starts to happen, discovery of God. Some people ask me on the golf course, so what do you do for a living people? Uh, Peter, I said, I help people discover God. 
I could say something else. I'm a pastor. Oh, next. <laughs> I, I love helping people discover God. And they go on playing and they think, what is that going on? <laughs> so I think, okay. So the next step is discovering God. And so um, Sean, got to really know Sean. And I've heard that Sean's really concerned for his mother. And uh, it's, 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 oh, right. well, can we pray for her? And she says, oh, I suppose so. And I tell him a biblical story um, about a, uh, the uh, widow that cried out for justice and so on. And what is that? And Sean says, oh, I think my mum, I can relate to mum. Oh, great. We pray. And then I said, look, here's my number. I'd like to know how mum's going. And Sean rings me up and says, it's incredible, Peter. I went home and things changed. Mum's this, that's it. And something touched me, affected me. And then I say, Sean, would you like to, I'd love to catch up and have a coffee and can I help you discover a bit more about God? Now, that could be the jailer that found out more about God. Lydia found out more about God. Cornelius discovered more about God. What happened to all those people? Churches. Sean opens up his home. See, if you've got a few mates, Sean, ask them, come around, so on. See, in the move of God in the world, in every time there's a first meeting of a discovery, one in every two meetings is a miracle. Yeah. A sign that makes people wonder, I want more. You're not sleeping well. Okay, well, let's just pray for that. Man, I slept so well. Would you like to know more about that God that helped you? Yeah. Discovery. Go to their home. Now I know you might want to bring them into church here. Too early. Too, too strong, the culture. Go and relate to them in their home. I had um, the guy who managed ACDC get saved. Actually, Margaret Court preached in our church and he came out and gave his heart to the Lord. And um, Bill, great friend of mine, Nancy, um, I did their 50th wedding um, ceremony and so on. Uh, she said at, 20, at our 25th wedding, and uh, she said I was an alcoholic and our marriage was a mess. And all their kids were, woohoo, but they all got saved. But anyhow, that's a big long story. But what I'm trying to say in this, I couldn't get any of Bill's incredible multi-millionaire, all sorts of entertainment people into our church. We could have got them into his home though, easily. I could have taught him to just say, oh, yeah, would you like to know more about God? And I could have taught him to pray for people. I could have taught him that signs and wonders. I could have taught him to open up the word with people. And I just be his coach and he's on the outside and he's the inside player. This, this is the new move. Okay. I'm jumping all over the place, aren't I? Okay. All right. So discovery. Karen and I are aiming for that, and that will be in their home, opening up the word and uh, relating to them. I was in Adelaide seeing my son. Uh, everyone had COVID, but I didn't, so I was um, free. And uh, Karen said, we haven't got cream. And so I ran back into the supermarket to get cream. And uh, this guy had a thing around his leg, and uh, he's about my age. I said, gee, your foot looks pretty sore. Ask a question, you know, be interested. He said, yeah, he said, I've had four months now. I've got diabetes. I can't get rid of it. Uh, I've got foot problems. I said, oh, that sounds terrible. And so four months now, and gee, that's no good. 
And he could sense my warmth and my love. And so I said, uh, would you mind if I pray for you? He said, oh, trolleys go by. And so I, and, and, uh, and he looked at the people going by. He said, okay. I placed my hands on him and prayed for him. And he said, whoa. He said, oh, I got a bit teary then. And he said, and he said Peter, can I also tell you that I've been diagnosed with cancer in the lungs a few days ago. I said, oh, wow. Can I tell you a story? I told him 10 lepers. I said, you know, this is the 10 lepers, da, da, da. I said, what did you get out of that? His name was Paul. And uh, he said, if I just believe, I'll be healed. I said, man. I said, that's right. Let's pray for that. Prayed for him then again. He didn't care about the trolleys anymore. <laughs> Came by him. Prayed. And reached out to him. Getting cream, everyone. But heaven was involved in getting cream. And just opened it up. Because it became, G'day mate, gee, your foot doesn't look too good. And then he's, yeah, it's in trouble, I'm in trouble and so on. And, that, and then he said, and then, oh, mate, can I pray? And then he gave me more meaningful stuff and there's more prayer and that's the whole. But he's in Adelaide, I gave him my number, exchanged it. He wanted to, I said, give us a ring. He hasn't. But I'm doing what God can do. But I used to do nothing. I used to just pour all my life into Christians. And yet the second greatest commandment is the lost. You feel a bit uncomfortable? I hope you need to. There's a town going to hell here. There's people with suicide probably this week. Maybe God could help you meet that person. All right. Okay. Could we wipe that board down again? Sorry, thank you very much. Beautiful servant guy. I, just, I love servant people. They see it and they know it. Okay. Uh, click the thing, sweetie. Moving from a worldly social life to seeing the end goal. Need for everyone to hear the gospel. So it's shifting everyone. Lovely. I, just, I used to hang out with Christians a lot. I don't want to play golf with Christians anymore. I want to play golf with unsaved people going to hell. And so, so it's a shift from social, church. Beautiful, you're all beautiful people, but you're going to heaven. And I don't want, I want a shift, a paradigm shift in who I relate to. Karen and I, you have 21 meals a day, a week. Right? Sorry. 21 meals a week. Can you share one of them with someone that's lost? Just one. We do. Thank you very much. Thank you. We, we do. Karen's brilliant with it. We're, just, we're into this. Okay. The only antidote to darkness is the gospel. The only thing that will ever change um, a broom is the gospel. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay. How then... Can they call on the one they have not believed in? If they don't believe him, how can you call on him? Now, what are we getting here? What, what am I reading out to you? Questions. The Apostle Paul is trying to get to you. I'll ask you another question, okay? Next question he has, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they hear if you don't preach to them? Can they? If you don't tell anyone the gospel, can they get it? 
You've got to start to look at this. This is a paradigm shift. Get out of this Christian comfort little social life to going to lost. People that are a mess, like me. I had one of Mockwell's guys come into our church. He put his big motorbike out the front. He was trying to get into a drug rehab program and we had to walk around this stupid motorbike all night to get into church. That's what he did. And I can remember this guy coming in at eight years addiction, couldn't get rid of it. And, uh, and he, uh, he, uh, he came out for prayer, he fell to the ground. I said, don't let this guy up. Keep him under the power of God for hours. Just keep him there. Got up, never touched drugs again. I married him to a beautiful girl who actually was living at our house and so on, and he's on fire for God in Adelaide. Amen. And so on. It just changed his whole life. Should have been in jail. Wow. So it's just, you'd never know. But the gospel got him. He went to drug rehabs and they said, oh, we believe in yay and yin here and we do this here. And that. He said, Jesus Christ? No. Nah. He was looking for Jesus. Wow. Thank God he locked up. Okay, next question. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? If you don't go from church Sunday morning, no, I'm just hanging in there for six and a half days and I'll come back. No, you've got to be sent. You've got to be a missionary in this city. You must be a missionary here. Stop being a resident. You've got to shift. Someone told me and it changed my whole life. I think I would have been dead by the time I was 30. Now just thank God. For Who are we telling? Who did you tell last week? I'm going to share this in a minute. I'll share this in a minute. I'm excited by that. Okay, okay, next question, another question. As it is written, how beautiful on the, another question and uh, a great statement, how beautiful on the feet. Look at these gorgeous feet. Be- oh, beautiful, that beautiful. Oh, those nails, look at the nails you've had there. That's beautiful. Your feet are gorgeous because where do they go? Moses, take off your shoes because you're going to walk differently. Every church member here, take off your shoes because you're going to walk differently. You're going to go into a paradigm shift. You're going to have beautiful feet going to where people are broken. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And I tell you, the Holy Ghost will pick someone that you don't like. He'll test you out. Lord, can I have someone that sort of suits me, like sport? There's a guy who's in Tassie. He does this all the time and so on. He said he was out trying to witness and it was unsuccessful and just loving people out in the streets, wanting to share with them. And he gets to his car. He's got to go to work. And this guy's leaning up against his car door. This guy used to be a policeman and all that. And uh, he said, excuse me, I need to get to my car. He said, no, I'm not. He said, excuse me, this is my car. I'm trying to get into my car. He said, no, I'm not leaving. And he says, he says, look, do you want me to shift you and move you? He said, look, I had a dream last night and that this car was in the dream and to stand by this door. Woohoo! In the East, one in three people have a dream about this man in this glowing white tunic. And it's so easy in the East to just say, who's had the dream? They go, yeah, who is he? Isn't that awesome? Who's into dreams? Holy Ghost, dreams, visions, and words from heaven. That shifted Peter out of his paradigm into reaching Gentiles. So this is what, it it's just shifts you, changes your life. Okay. I forgot where I was, sorry. Um, so we get coached in this. We want to keep alive in this. 
Because you fall back to the old. Coaching gets you going. We're always talking about who we're reaching, how's it going. Because in the West, we're really bad at it, so you need to be coached in it. Okay. Really good at going to church on Sunday. And that's great. I'm not criticising that, but we're supposed to be going to lost too. Okay. Matthew 24, 14, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole of the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That's a prophetic statement. The gospel is so important, everyone will hear it before I come back. In all of the Roman kingdom, one in ten received the gospel. They all got it, but only one in ten received it and followed Jesus. Just letting you know. It's not about, it's about preaching it. That's your job. And because and, you can't get anyone saved. Only the Holy Ghost can. <laughs> all right. Okay. Preaching the gospel. This is the most told gospel presentation. When's the last time you asked someone about the gospel? This is the three circles in three minutes. Who's heard about it? Good, 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 great. Fantastic. Okay. Okay, so I say to someone, uh, do you know what the gospel is? We're talking, meaningful talk, spiritual talk. Do you know what the gospel is? Question. Oh, no one's got it right yet. Oh, it's, it's, um, it's a Catholic church thing. No, no, it's not the um, And they go, and they go, oh, um, it used to be in the Bible. Oh, no, it's actually, um, oh. So, so, Sean, I, we're having this, this, can I share the gospel? Sean says, okay. Okay, Sean, there's this, you know, God created this beautiful world. And it's a, it's a beautiful world where uh, there's peace and man lived in it with God. And it was just beautiful. It's a great creation. And you might see things in this world that you can see, you know, mountains and streams and rivers and these beautiful things and so on. But man went his own way and said, God, I don't need you. I want to do it my way. And you think, oh, that's sad. So man turned his back on God and went his own way, right? And he came to doing his own thing in his world. And this is a broken world. And uh, this world, he said, maybe it's education. And it's like a bungee pulled him back. No. Maybe the girl that will love me. Oh, no. Next girl. No. Relationships weren't helping. Uh, maybe I make money. Education, money, uh, relationships. Okay. And so and you keep getting hurt. And, you just, and this world is a mess. And, and, there, and there's suicide and so can you, and I always ask questions, so Sean, can you, which world are you relating to here? He said, oh yeah, I can see the brokenness. So this is what God had this incredible plan. He sent his son to the earth and he died on the cross for us. He, um, he, he died and he rose again. And if you get on your knees, if you, get, if you humble yourself and you want him and you make him king of your life and that you come to him and receive him into your life he'll change your whole life and you'll start to experience this world of rest peace and so on there's still turmoil but then jesus will want you to go in here and bring them out and that, and so you always ask a question and always questions must be dominant in your life not tell people that's religion Relate to people by asking questions. 
So, um, so um, Sean, which world do you relate to? Now, if Sean's unsaved, you go, this one I reckon, Pete. But well, Sean, now, hopefully, you're in this world here with us, Sean. <laughs> but it's, um, so then Sean goes, oh, um, so I asked this drug addict this, I did this. Uh, a, a druggy guy, they wanted me to share with him. I asked, and just asked him, I said, showed him this, and he said, oh, I can handle my drugs, Peter. I said, I reckon you'll be dead in a week if you don't do something. But that's what I feel. I th- I'm not dead in a week. I think you're going to die soon if you don't change. He died that weekend. They revived him in the hospital. And then I had another chat to him, and I presented this again to him. Well, he was listening a lot more about <laughs> And so I said to Ryan, is it Ryan? Yeah, Ryan. Ryan, yeah. And so I said to Ryan, what is this? And so Ryan said, I need this. And so we prayed for Ryan and God really touched him and affected him. But that's the gospel. I'm a bit concerned people aren't writing these things down because we want to change lives here. And that was, was that hard? Who could do that? Why don't we do it? So just your best friend. Even your kids at home. Just go home to your kids and say, what do you reckon? I told Reese that. He said, got it, Dad. And he used it straight away. So I think it's... Hey? Yeah. That's right. And Rogan said, Pa, that's like, that's a happy face, he sees. And he said, this is a, a sad face. You know, what am I doing when you ask questions? We're letting the Holy Spirit speak to people. We're not speaking. We're letting the Holy Ghost speak. And when the gospel is presented, so, and um, then I said to the girlfriend of uh, Ryan, I said, do you you think you're ready for this? And she said, does that mean I have to give up sex? (laughs) I was hilarious, I thought. I said, no, it means you follow God and he'll sort out all that. But it's, um, it's just interesting. That's the gospel. It's very easy. Surely you can. And you just ask someone at the end of it. You don't say, so you need to receive Jesus Christ now or you'll be going to hell. That means you take all choice away. You become religious. It's, it's, I can, as a pastor, senior pastor for many years, I could, and I don't want to say this in the wrong way, make people do things. But I learned it doesn't work. It never lasts. But I ask people, and if the Holy Ghost is in it, they do it the rest of their life beautifully. And I'd rather have that. Because I would think everyone would want to do that, but I've learned a lot of people don't want to. So I had to let God do the changing and not me. So that's just an important thing. The other thing is your testimony. Can I challenge you to do that this week with someone? The gospel? You're into this meaningful talk and you're really talking, sharing, and and just how come? Oh, yeah, I love God, it's changed my life. Can I share the gospel? What really changed my life? We actually had a whiteboard at home and this neighbours came across the road and I said, do you know what the gospel is? And I had no idea. And then Karen said, look, we've got a whiteboard in the room. Peter will show you. I thought, that's a bit like... A uh, Amway presentation or something. <laughs> and so we showed them, but you could see, whoa. We, we hit a uh, Freemasonry demon along the way, but that wasn't... But anyhow, um, testimony. 
Yep. If, it, it's all on YouTube, this. This is a worldwide move. This is used everywhere. Kids, six-year-olds use it. And the street. Okay. Testimony. Who's been transformed by Jesus? That's incredible testimony. Why don't we tell someone that every day? And put his name in it. Jesus. So, have you heard the 15-second testimony? Oh. Okay, right. 15-second testimony. Okay, ready, everyone? Everyone's going to have this and tell someone their 15-second testimony. I'm sorry you're feeling uncomfortable now. You're going to have to stretch yourself and work. And, and then I'll point out to someone to do it. Oh, no, this is terrible. But anyhow, 15-second testimony. Uh, before, before you were saved, two words that describes what you're like and so on. I was really angry. I was not a nice person and depressed. What were you like? Write it down. Two words just explains what you were like before you were saved. And then when you met Jesus, what was it like? Tell me what was it like. You know, um, transform my life. Transform me. Okay. And then two words after. Two words after. I had purpose like I never had before. And it's had a peace in my life. And so I tell this testimony to so many people now. And I never used to because I was in the old paradigm and now I'm out there looking for the lost to tell them about Jesus Christ in my life and I got transformed. And, so, and, that's, and um, that's where I want to do that every day of my life. And I miss opportunities and I repent for it. Not in a nasty way, I just think, oh God. I'm learning so much. I've never had the Holy Spirit so much in my life and helping people and teaching me how to reach them and what to say and when. And, and you become highly skilled at this. Jesus was so skilled at it. It, it becomes a, a pattern, a lifestyle. And it just flows out. Not, uh, can I tell you, uh, look, I know this might be a bit awkward, but there's a testimony about my life, Jess. I, I, I'm not, but, you know, is it okay if I share it? And Jess is going, So I think. Oh, yeah, Jess, look, because uh, people tell me stories. Oh, yeah, I, I came here and I came to Broome because of this and that and so on. And they go, oh, yeah, that's an incredible story. Can I tell you a story? Now, I used to be so depressed, angry, uh, and just walking around in circles. And then at 22, my last year of uni, I met Jesus Christ. And he just changed my whole life. And now I feel I just don't have depression and I have purpose and I love my life. Do you have a story like that? The person will go, no, I don't. That sounds exciting, Peter. Now, if you're on to a God thing, the person will open up their heart. And if you're not, they'll go, oh, yeah, I don't really believe in that. That's okay. But you've just told them transformation testimony. So everyone here in this room, just tell that person, come on, tell the person next to you. Tell them the two lines, 15-second testimony. Come on, come on. Come on, stretch yourself out. Tell someone. Or agreeing with it's right. Okay. Okay. 
Did you tell your 15-second testimony? Did you? Could you stand up and just tell it? You'd stand up and tell it. I was a drunk. Walking in the, I'm from Pidgey, Pidgeydanga. No, yeah, I was, I was, a, I was a drunk, and, and I told myself, I asked myself, I need to meet someone. I need to meet the person they talk about. Jesus. So Jesus, yeah. Then I met, I met someone sitting in the fireplace and I asked just transform me the spirit of God just mm. that's great <laughs> I, love I love it I love it I love it it's good <laughs> see just spirit of God just just transform me from within Saya. <laughs> Father, we thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Father God, thank you for your power that touches our life. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> Father God, see, it's powerful. It's beautiful. It's a transformed life. I love it. I was a drunk and I was a druggy me and angry, violent. And then I met Jesus Christ. But I change it. As I'm having a meaningful talk with someone, I change it to categories that also changed in my life. I always, I've always felt empty in my life and I didn't have purpose. I was always striving. It's shift and change it. Rory. Question. Yep. Oh, question? You're allowed to ask questions? <laughs> um, I grew up in a Christian home. Like from when I was born, yep. like my family was Christian. And yep. There was never a moment where I felt like Wow, wow. At a moment. Like, how, how it was just I expected. You know, was there a time in your life when you actually had an encounter? Well, I still felt baptised. Yeah. 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 And, and had it, had it, what was the difference before and after? I don't know, I was always a rat bat. Yeah. <laughs> 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 our, our, our son Caleb got saved at three. He got saved again at 12, you could say. Uh, really shifted his life at 19 again. There's, it's because it's a journey yeah. and meeting and yeah. falling. Yeah. But some of them are like me, are just really. So my sister tells this she says, I gave my heart to the Lord, but I was religious. I really wasn't following him. I was a Sunday Christian. And then I got cancer. And he healed me and set me free. And I've never been the same since. Now I go and help people wherever I can and witness to them. So she actually brings religion into it. Look, I was performing. I was playing the game. But then the cancer shifted her life massively. But that's just it's a, it's awesome. I love it. It's not hard. Everything, what you're hearing today, is simple. Christianity must become simple again. Not I do. You know, I've got masters in this. We'll probably do our masters in missiology, but that's a. But it's not about how smart or clever you are. It's about you going to the lost. 
right? It's, it's, it's simple. Everything I've taught you today is transferable, easy. If you were just saved in this meeting, you could do everything I've talked to you so far. That's what it's got to be. Don't complicate it. Because when the broom's going to get saved, it's probably going to be all these young Christians going out. Has everyone seen, uh, what's it called? Jesus Revolution. Uh, Karen and I, she's the blonde in it. I'm the other guy in it. Uh, I'm telling you, we, we got caught in the Jesus Revolution. We're hippies. Combi, I was going to live in the combi because I couldn't afford an island. So I think I was running from the world and, you know, just, and we're in it. Transformation. It's the greatest move ever in America. And you had all these young hippies and so on and it had to be simple. And they just said, hey, man, Jesus loves you. and He's changed my life. He changed yours. And they lay hands and boom, oh, my life's changed. Asset would have destroyed them, but Jesus transformed them. It's a move of God. And it's simple. Watch the movie. We cried in it, laughed in it. Oh, oh I want to see it again. Uh-oh. Okay. It's 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock, yeah. Sorry. I'm way off, am I? So I need to change. Oh, no. Just, um, uh, sorry, everyone. Uh, do you want me to just finish with one more? Yeah, just, uh, I'm just, I've mixed it all up anyhow a bit. So the next one, my little clicker. Okay. Uh, oh, end goal. Make, make disciples, sweetie. Back, 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 back. Back on. That's it. Church attenders to everyone making a disciple. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Yeah, okay. That's right. So church attenders on Sunday, just coming to church, ticking the box, beautiful, learning the word, hearing all that, worshipping, great. But we've all got to go and make disciples. Every single person in this room. Your testimony, brother, that can change someone's life. It, it's, it's just powerful. And so you say to them, would you also like to be know Jesus? I mean, that's not hard. And they can say, yes, no. You've got to understand people need faith to believe. If they say yes, tell them another story. Draw them out. So you want to follow him. You want to know him. Yeah. It's very powerful. So going into all the world and making disciples, this is such an important thing. I think we've really covered this, but we've got to go to that place where it's, it's, not, it's everyone does this. Yeah. Jess can pick up someone and look after them and walk with them and get them uh, growing but she can't pick up 10. Just one work. And then Greg has one. Sorry, your name again? Rachel has one. Pete has one. That's what it's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone. Next one, under it. This is very important. From sterile Christians to reproducing disciples would tend to be sterile. No one's preaching the gospel. No one's going to the lost. No one's making disciples. Sterile. Is the church growing? We've got to ask. No. Is there new people coming in all the time? Because we're not doing those things. Paradigm shift. We've got to shift to that next realm. We've got to reproduce. What? You say it. It's, I had this revelation while we were in Melbourne in lockdown during COVID, and it's like, how do you stop COVID from spreading? You isolate everybody and keep them shut up in their homes, and it doesn't spread. Wow. 
and you put a mask on them. How do you stop the gospel from spreading? Isolate them. Keep us all shut up in our churches, in our home. Stop us from speaking. Gospel needs to spread. You've got to get it out there and let it go. And that's reproduction is crucial. You need to be another Peter Basil, another John, another Rachel. We need to reproduce ourselves. All right. What does it say in that scripture there? It says, I want you to teach them, Rachel, everything to obey, everything I taught you to obey. So what do you teach them? This is what I've learned to obey. I'm going to teach this brother or sister how to obey it. Obedience is a huge thing in this whole thing. So, um, and the things, okay, let's do this, Luke. I want you to, everyone to do 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many, this is Paul speaking to Timothy. I'll draw a stick figure up here, an orange one. Paul speaking to Timothy. You write that down. Now tell me what the next thing is happening. And what is Timothy told to do? What you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. Yeah, entrust to reliable people and also to qualify to teach others. Okay. So we've got Jess is talking to Rachel and then Rachel then goes to her group. Say Rachel's got a ladies group and one, two, three, four in that group and she's training these people. And then in that scripture there, we're saying, Rachel, and also the ones you're teaching, teach them to go out. Teach them to go out. Uh-oh, broom's in trouble. Broom's in trouble. If that 2 Timothy 2 is followed, the apostle is saying to his junior apostle, Timothy, you teach these guys and then teach them to teach their guys. Okay. It's going to go right through broom. That's right. Nothing's stopping you. And as you do that, you give them the opportunity to be good news in themselves. Mm. Yeah. So when we're coached one hour a week, one hour, 15 minutes, we're doing the word, we're going out, we're sharing who we're reaching out to, we're praying for each other. We're keeping it alive. In the move of God around the world, everyone gets coached. Everyone's coached. Everyone who's not coached doesn't go to the lost. I've just, it's a known fact. Why am I getting coached? Because I want to keep going to the lost. Yeah. Who's coaching you to go to the lost? Who are you accountable to? I'm telling you, Western culture will just take all your time up and you won't have any time for the lost. That's why we need a group. So, you know, if you go, I'm going to uh, play, play golf, you need to have lessons, you need to work at it, you need to, go to get better at it. I tell you, golf is a game that you, if you don't work at it, you won't get any good at it. Okay. Okay, uh, next one, sweetie. I'm just going to finish these off quickly. So multiplication is crucial, so on. Pre uh, preacher up front to listen to podcasts. We listen to podcasts. We listen to the preacher up the front. There's a whole, um, teach them to obey everything I've taught you to obey. You've got to begin to look at obedience. James 1.22, don't only hear the word and deceive yourself, but put into practice. We've got to learn to put the word into practice. Anyone who loves me, will obey me. Now that's the word, please, this is, I know we're back here. We're back here going, obey? Whoa. 
Who's going to tell me to obey? This is serious stuff, everyone. The word is serious. If you compromise the word and teach others to compromise it, you're least in the kingdom. If you obey the word, all of the word, and obey it and follow it, you're the greatest in the kingdom. We've got to get back to the word of God. The word of God is going to be in the move of God. The word is going to be right up there. And it's going to be, Rachel's got a, sorry, Rachel's sitting in that corner there. But um, Rachel's going to have a revelation. And so my question is, um, so this is what's asked in all of our coaching things. So Rachel says, look, I want to go to Lost. I really feel the word saying to me uh, to go to the Broom Park every Saturday morning and pray around there and look for the lost person. Uh, so that's, I believe that's what God's saying to me to do. The next week we'll say, so how'd it go, Rachel? Accountable. Because we're shocking. We've been trained. Every one of you has been trained. Write the word down and not do it. 90% of the word will be lost by the time we get to the car park. And we've just got to be... So why isn't the church... Because the word's powerful, full of authority. But don't... I'm not saying obey the whole word. I'm saying the word that God's spoken to you today... Put it into action. I'm going to go to the lost. Um, you put it into action. You need to be accountable for it. So the guy that runs across and wins the gold medal doesn't say, well, I never trained. I just happened to have a good race today. He says, I've been trained. I've been equipped. I've worked at this. Accountability. Oh, thanks, uh, physio. Thanks, mum. Thanks for that coach, that psychology coach. I've done it. Because he needed a team to get him there. We need each other to get the gospel out. It's, it, we've got to begin to look at this in our life. Uh, obeying the word is so important. I was going to tell you, I was going to put a pyramid up there and explain it to you, but the worst level of teaching is me right here now. 5% is transformed, transferred to you with me standing up the front. The greatest form of teaching, see, Jesus hardly ever did this. So Jesus would get down and say, Rachel, I want to ask questions and so on. And so, and now I'm going to tell you a story. And so what does that story affect you? So, and so Rachel says, well, the Good Samaritan story, it's the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and do it. Go and obey what you just said. And your life will never be the same. So this is the uh, key that we've got to start to move into, that we actually obey the word and follow the word. And this is, this is a huge... And we, we, so if we all hopped in groups and discussed the word and discussed the, uh, the Great Commission, and, uh, so, and now I said a question in a group, so Karen, Pete and I go, so who are you disciples? No one. Um, okay, so how are we going to get... To, uh, oh, well... This what, and we start to discuss it. And so, okay, the three of us are meeting. So um, how will we start next week? When we meet next week, what do you feel we could do? I said, there's life in that. There's power in that. It's based around the word. It's based around Jesus' commands to go. So you go and you throw seeds out. And one in every four get it. Some get it and lose it and some get it and it cares of life and some... Produce 36 to 100 fold. You throw out the seeds and you come back next week. How do you go? I've got a disciple. I've got a guy who wants to know more about the word. Fantastic. Let's pray for Fred. 
And, he goes, and then, then Fred, uh, what does he do? Oh, he's in with all the fishermen. He knows all the fishermen in the whole town. Whoa! And Fred's a drunk. And if Fred gets saved and he's not drinking, all the fishermen will go, what's going on with you, Fred? I can remember um, Graham Cook. I don't know if you know Graham Cook. Okay, Graham Cook. He prophesied over us apostolically. That would be called apostolically in 94. And uh, he said he was planning a church. And he said uh, uh, the, um, uh, nothing was happening. It was terrible, he said. And this young 16-year-old comes up and says, I've got a word of knowledge, I think. And he said, yeah, it's good. And he says, um, uh, we'll just... We'll use it next week. Okay, so then next week nothing happened and so the 16-year-old said, I've still got the word of knowledge. And he said every meeting that he had, the town drunk would come and go, Aah! like this, and, and the 16-year-old said, it's for, for the town drunk. And he said, oh, look, I don't think it's right. So the next week they came back and the, the town drunk's there and the 16-year-old comes out and to Graham and says, I've still got... He said, give him the word of knowledge. And he comes up to the town drunk and he said, God knows how you feel. He killed his son too. And the town drunk burst into tears. He's clinging his gun. His little boy used to say, click daddy, left the shell in it. Blew his son's head off onto the wall and became a drunk. And he got transformed. And he went around the whole city telling everyone how Jesus Christ is real. And his church grew. <laughs> it took off. Okay, that's the last one I'm going to show here. Um, next one, last one. I won't show the last one. I'll show the second last one. This is it. I promise to finish. Not just churches in buildings, but just, just strategic homes where your oikos is reached. We've got to get to your oikos. Bill Joseph managed ACDC and he, he, he had it going. He had all these connections in entertainment and we couldn't get him into our church. We did it certain ceremonies. But we couldn't get them in. Were they there at their 50th? They were all there. All the celebrities were there at their 50th wedding anniversary in a hall they had and so on. We should have gone for the home. What does Jesus say in this? This is John, uh, Luke 10. It's also Matthew 10. This is Jesus' strategy for everyone in this room. 72 gathered together, sent them out in twos. And he said, um, so as you go out in twos, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then as you're going, pray for workers. God said to me, if you're not going to the lost, he won't give you workers. If you're not going and you're praying for people, it won't happen. If you go and pray, he'll give you a worker. What's the point of God giving you someone to join you in your prayer room that you're not going to the lost? Does that make sense? So pray for workers because you're going. He'll give them one to you. You just imagine if we get into the fishing community, the mining community, just one. Okay, here, here it looks here, okay. Uh, the harvest is plenty. Go, I am sending you out like lands among wolves. It's not going to be pleasant. Some guy's going to say, oh, you Christians and whatever. Some are going to slap you in the face even. Do not take a purse for you. No money in this. In this move of God in the East, there's no money in it. When I train people, no money in it. There's no more money in this. I'm meeting a whole group. And I have never met such unity in my whole life, these people I'm operating with. And there's just no, don't take a purse with you. You don't need money to preach the gospel. 
I'll tell you scary statistics. This is from the book, um, The Great Evangelical Recession. Some say depression. It's written here. This is a statistic. One baptism in America, with all the money they have in the churches and reaching people and so on, and a baptism. What is a baptism cost? One million dollars for every person that gets baptized in America. Something's wrong. Needs a paradigm shift. Quite serious. You read the book, it's pretty, it's all statistical. It's all, and it says 90% of all Westerners will never go to Sunday mornings. So, paradigm shift. 10% will, fantastic. Paradigm shift, let's get into their homes. Can I come and have a coffee? Everyone says yes. Everyone says, okay, so this is what Jesus says. When you enter a house, a hall, I'm after houses, Jesus says, homes, families, relationships, okay, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, someone who's open, someone who says, yeah, come in, Rachel, come in. Says, yeah, I'd love to have a coffee with you. I've seen the way you work and the way you treat people. What makes you tick, Rachel? Sitting down, talking and so on. And uh, stay there eating and drinking, even if it's good Indian food, which I love. You know, stay there. And these people are great. They, oh, it's lovely. Briani rice, oh, I love it all. Okay, okay. Stay there eating and drinking wherever they get, whatever they give you for your work and deserves your wage. Do not move from house to house. Find a strategic house in Broome. All right? Bring them to Sunday morning eventually, but find a strategic house. Minister to the demand. You know what is the key in that? You know, Sean has got a whole community he knows, the workers he knows, the sporting group he knows. I don't know him. But if we can get into the house of the guy in the footy team, the guy in the mining, the guy in the fishing industry, get into their house and guess what? Will they, their mates come along to their house? Absolutely. Jesus knew if we get a house... A person of peace is Cornelius. Lydia's a person of peace. person of peace are people that just want to... So the jailer falls down at Paul's feet and cries out to him. He's a person of peace. And Paul ends up going to him. He cleans up his back because it was red raw. And his whole family get baptised. Lydia's whole family get baptised. The whole oikos becomes into the kingdom. We want to bring everyone into the kingdom through a house. We tried to bring them into church and it's beautiful and it's admirable. We've tried. It's not working. Let's get into their homes. Jesus said it. Sunday mornings didn't exist for the first 300 years. Buildings didn't exist for the first 300 years. Okay, homes, relationship. The home is a whole lifestyle of Christianity. Sunday can be a little performance. Please, I'm just trying to get the shift. It can be, I'll pull it together for Sunday morning where home is your lifestyle. You've got to live it. You've got to be it. Okay? I'm just trying to, as a prophet, I hope you're feeling uncomfortable and, oh, I've got to shift. Get hold of these words and go over it. God, give me a home. If you can get a home of the worst person in Broome and it gets transformed, his name's called Saul, but he's now called Paul. How long was it before Paul went out and preached the gospel? Please tell me how long it was after the scales fell from his eyes. That day. Well, Paul, we need to put you into an anger counselling course. 
lady at the well, you need to come into a purity course, please. Okay, and the jailer, well, mate, you've tortured people. You need to go into loving people course. No, just go and tell them the gospel. Tell them the transformation of your life. Go and tell someone else. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that there. And sorry for the time and everything, but I just hope you get the whole feel of that whole paradigm shift. The last slide is the Holy Ghost must do this, not you. The last slide, he does it all. The church of Acts is not the acts of the apostle. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit. How many public miracles were there? How many miracles were there in Acts? 30. How many of the miracles were public? 27. God loves showing off in front of everyone and showing them who he is. Silver and gold, I have none. That rise up in the name of Jesus. Public miracle. Paul's private miracle. Ananias, hello, anyone here? And lays hands on him, scales fall from his eyes. Private. 27 of the miracles in Acts were public. You pull someone out of a wheelchair in the street of Broome, it starts. Cry out for that. I don't know. The Holy Ghost. That's what I reckon you should do, God. And God said, who knows? But he's got to test your heart. Are you going to really shift? Are you going to really go with this? So God says, if I risk a soul in your presence who can transform Broome, can I risk that? Oh, well, Saul, you know, you don't have to read your Bible that much. Oh, well, if you pray, you can. But, you know, I don't do it much. We'd have a terrible Saul, Paul. (laughs) You've got to be laying your life down. And so God's looking for the passionate ones who's really going to go to the lost. We've been going to the lost now for two, two, two years and we're getting really good at it and we're making mistakes still, but we're after lost people. And I never used to be. I used to be helping Christians. And it's wonderful helping Christians. I'm helping Christians now go to the lost. All right. Father God, could we just stand? You've been wonderful listening. Father God, we thank you. We come to you, Lord God. Father, we lift our hands to you, our lives to you, Lord. Father God, we know, Lord God, we, want, we need a, a paradigm shift. We need to see you in a new way. See what needs to be done. Come back. Come back to the Church of Acts. Come back to the Gospel. Come back to loving lost people, Lord God. Father, help us to declutter our life, Lord God. Father God, we come back to your commands to love God with our heart and to love the lost, Lord God, and to make disciples, Lord God. Father God, that means every one of you. You're all up to it. Every one of you in this room can do this. It's, it's, it's not, well, the pastor does it. That's gone. Those days, the paradigm shift's gone. The pastor does everything. I've, I've had young pastors I've planted with and they're burnt out. And it's too much for them. All the roads come to them. They've got to change everything. No, we've got to go. Not the pastor do everything. It's a whole new shift and change taking place. Father God, we lift our hearts before you, our lives before you, Lord God. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Father God, help us not to lose this word. I pray that everyone would go and meditate on the word. These diagrams that were written up, they'll meditate. Everyone in this room, Lord God, would find someone that they can have a small talk, meaningful talk, spiritual talk, bring the gospel, bring their testimony. Lord God, thank you for the transformed people in this room, that there wouldn't be a week go by. They're not telling someone the gospel, not telling someone their testimony. Father God, we thank you for this. We come before you. Father God, broom is our target, Lord. You've got us in broom, Lord God. You've called us here, Lord God. 
Father, we want to turn Broome upside down. These uneducated people that have turned the world upside down have come to our city. I love that. (laughs) It's nothing about your education. It's not about your smarts. It's not about your good looks. Uh, It's not about anything like that. It's about your heart for Jesus and your willingness to obey the Holy Ghost. We come before you right now, Lord God. We humble ourselves before you. Father God, I pray that the prophetic word that's gone out all morning would draw people to change, Lord God. Father God, get rid of the old wineskins. Lord God, take the old wineskins out. Let us not lose the beautiful new wine that's been poured into us today, Lord. In Jesus' precious name. Let us not lose it, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.